Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, February 13th. It is a free-for-all. You know, I'm going to do something different on Mondays. It's a free-for-all, but we'll throw in something new. We need to... uh, we need to have a little more fun on the show. The world's getting so damn serious. That might be my open this morning. We need to start having a little fun again. So let's uh, let's do let's do ask me anything today. So if you want to know my opinion on anything at all, doesn't have to do with anything we normally talk about. If you want to know something about my past, something about what I'd like. I don't care. Ask me anything. Uh, that'll be a new theme for Mondays. We need to have some fun. Um, what else? Uh, I got a ton of stuff here. I don't know where I need to start. Phone lines are open. Let's just start there. It is a free for all. So jump in 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. I don't know where to start because we're talking about aliens now. I mean, since twenty twenty, could the world get any more strange? Weather balloons. Now they're referring to three more objects shot out of the sky since the weather balloon as unidentified flying objects, which technically is correct. They are UFOs for now. I'm wondering, though, why we're not getting any more information about what anything is. What was on board the spy balloon? What kind of capabilities did it have? Why was it here? Now they're saying they don't even know where these last three came from. We need more information. You know, this feels like the pandemic all over again. Gaslight us, lie to us, hold back information. What a bizarre time, which is why, you know, as serious as this all is, and it is, I, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to live my best life while we fight back against this, because we've got to fight back. I don't even know what that really means, um, other than we've got to keep talking and keep questioning and keep pushing our politicians and our press. That seems to be a big part of the problem here. We um, we certainly can't trust our politicians, and it's always been that way. That That's nothing new from day one. That's been that way. It will always be that way. That's just how politics work. That there are, even in the best government we've come up with so far, which I believe the U.S. did manage to figure that out at one point, and I wish we could get back to that, Politicians have always lied. We've never trusted them. We shouldn't trust them. We had the press. That was the press's job. That's why the First Amendment was the First Amendment. The press is allowed to speak out. Anybody is allowed to speak out. We're allowed to criticize our government. We're allowed to criticize our our politicians. And the press was there to keep them in check. And that is gone. Then... Unfortunately, we also lost social media, we know. We're fighting to get that back. I know I've been talking about Twitter an awful lot, and I'm going to continue talking about it because as of right now, it seems to be the only tech platform of any size that really is fighting back. You know, we have 
Rumble and and uh, some of the others that are have come up, True Social, and and that's fine, but nothing has that reach that Twitter has, and you can. It's clear now. We do know Twitter had a huge impact on our last election, and not in a good way, not in the way that it should have been. Social media should have an impact on our elections because it brings us all together and lets us discuss things. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. We now know we have absolute proof that there was collusion between the government and social media and between the government and regular media. That's our biggest problem right now. You know, whether it's going to be the pandemic, whatever happened to the murder hornets, uh, whatever happened to monkeypox, now we're talking about the bird flu and, and it's transferring over to other mammals. I don't know how many of you are going to remember this. I've said several times that prior to the pandemic, long before anybody was talking about this pandemic, that I had set up several trackers for infectious disease outbreaks around the world. Anytime something like that happens around the world, I get news alerts. And there's always something, there's some hot spot somewhere. There's a little breakout of Ebola over here. There's this new virus we're watching over here. And uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's been at least five or six years, maybe more. I'd have to go back and look through my notes. I said there was a, uh, actually, it's technically a fungus I was watching. It's a candida, which there are lots and lots of strains of candida. We all have candida in our body. And I was watching a specific strain, candida auris, because we were seeing infections and they were extremely deadly. Like, you know, um, COVID is less than 1% deadly. Now it's far less than 1% deadly. And if you start talking about 2 and 3% deadly, you're, you get into some pretty big numbers. If you get up to something like Ebola, which can be 90% deadly, if that ever became you know easily transferred, it could wipe out almost the entire population. Candida aura seems to be somewhere in the 70 to 80% deadly range. That might be a little skewed because most of the people that get it right now are usually pretty old and weak. That seems to be who it's attacking. The, the reason they're afraid of it is because it is very deadly to old people right now or people with very weak immune systems, but we don't have any real um, anti anything that seems to work on it. And we can't even seem to kill it very well on surfaces. It tends to live on surfaces in nursing homes that have been, I mean, they almost have to tear the things down to get rid of this particular pathogen. Those, those kinds of things are coming. That is back in the news again. Uh, that's why I'm bringing it up. I was talking about it five or six years ago. And then obviously when the pandemic hit, I kind of stopped tracking that one. Uh, but I, my, one of my trackers popped up again. It is now showing up in a couple new states here uh, in the United States. Uh, all right. I'm looking at the phones. I had a bunch of technical issues this morning. We are still really, 
really struggling with technology for some reason. I know I've talked about our system being a little too complicated, but I even had some weird stuff this morning. So is anybody hearing me? I'm talking, I'm not seeing any phone calls, not getting any messages on my chats. Check, check. Can you hear me now? Mm, I would assume everybody's hearing me, but I'm not getting any messages. Phones aren't, okay. They can hear me. Uh, the call screener can hear me. All right. So we can talk about that. There we go. There's a call. Everybody was just so mesmerized listening to my voice this morning, huh? All right. So phones are starting to light up. There we go. I was just a little worried because I had, uh, I had a few really weird audio issues this morning. I had to keep restarting and checking things. I'm pretty sure it's all of these uh, these UFOs that are doing it. Um, you know, I read an article just this morning trying to get more information on this, and all they would say was that they were carrying a payload. A payload of what? I really, um, and also, I and I have to admit, I got up late this morning. I had a. I was going to talk about this a little bit, but now the, um, the calls are starting to come in. I had a really, really good day yesterday, start to finish. One of those days where just, just everything about it was just about perfect. I had a good night's sleep. I woke up, felt really energized. I um, went right down and did uh, some brain tap sessions, then did some breathing and some sauna and then it was such a gorgeous day yesterday. I actually went out and gardened. And man, did I need a little garden therapy. Just beautiful weather. I, I, uh, it's early enough here that I actually can start doing some gardening. We actually have, uh, we usually have a crop that sits all winter, potatoes, root vegetables, turnips, beets, carrots, stuff like that. So I harvested some of that cleaned up some beds, started planting the first uh, spring cover crops, got those in. While I was working, Lisa made me what may have been my favorite breakfast meal ever. It was so good. It was leftover ribeye. I threw a bunch of meat on the smoker on Friday, all kinds of stuff, ribeye wings, brats, kind of a carnivore food prep for the weekend. And she took leftovers from that ribeye and did something with them. I don't know. Um, made some duck eggs. We have a friend with ducks. He gives us all kinds of duck eggs, which is really nice right now. And she made some sort of a queso sauce. So totally carnivore breakfast. Man, it was out of this world. So then I read a couple of really, oh, I have a book recommendation. And then I have a, I posted a book review. So I have two books. The calls are starting to come in. I know I asked for them. I'll get to here in just a minute. Um, one of my favorite authors, and this goes way, way, way back. Um, John Grisham writes all the, um, the lawyer novels. And the first book I read from John Grisham was The Pelican Brief, which was just an incredible book. Good, good movie too. They actually did a pretty good job on that movie. Uh, and then The Firm was his big one. They made a movie out of that with Tom Cruise. 
Uh, I didn't like the movie quite as much on that, but the book was excellent. And then he has written tons and tons and tons of books since then. And I realized that I hadn't been looking for his books for the last couple of years. So I started looking some up and he had several new books. They're really good. But I don't know how I, again, I know I said this about other authors recently. It's like my year of going back and rediscovering authors. I don't know how I missed this. He had a book before The Firm. And it, it didn't do very well when he first released it, but at some point they re-released it and it went big and he, they made a movie out of it and I haven't seen the movie and I just read the book. So it was really like his first published novel, but I missed it. It, it didn't sell very well the first time. And I guess the movie was pretty big too. It's called A Time to Kill. What? What an amazing book for a first novel. It, I, I'm, I have a little bit to finish. I'm not done with it yet. I did a lot of reading on it last night. So all day long yesterday from start to finish, just a wonderful day. I really needed one of those too. So if you, uh, if you haven't ever listened to a John Grisham book, do it. And if you like it, you will. Um, you've got a lot to look forward to. If you're a Grisham fan and you somehow missed that one, like I did, go back and listen to it. I will warn you, this was a, I forgot how much our world has changed. And this may seem like a, a very small example and it's not a big deal. I don't want anybody to get all weird about it. But it was, uh, it was shocking to me when I first picked up the book and started reading it. The book was written in 1989, I think, is when it was published or released, somewhere in the 80s, may have been, even been a little earlier than that. But the 80s, come on, I, was, I, I know I'm old, but I was out of high school and doesn't seem like it was that long ago to me. Within the first couple of pages, the N-word, it is all over that book, three or 400 times, I'll bet, in the book. It, it, the word is used as though it's just a normal, everyday word. And the book is about, it is about racism in the South. It's a trial. I'm not going to get into too many details. So it is about race, but you realize in the South at that time, and, and probably in many parts of the country, that word was still used. And, and at one point, it was used in a way that wasn't really considered a slur. You know, we went through a lot of different, I don't even, you know, the whole thing, I wish we would just drop and start treating people like people. We're all human beings. Uh, it, it's just so shocking to kind of go back and see that and then see where we are again now with race after it seemed like we did have couple decades where we were actually making improvements and that certainly seems to have changed. All right, I'm not sure what's going on, but when I when the phone calls first started coming in, there was about five or six of them it looked like. Now we're down to two, so maybe I should shut up and go take some phone calls. Let's uh, let's get started in Wisconsin. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey Kevin, how you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? So, what's the last time our country has shot down three unidentified objects and no one's talking about it? 
I can't believe we're not all standing out in the streets looking up at the skies to see if we can find something. And people are just accepting. It kind of blows my mind. I, I don't know where we are in this country right now. Objects are flying over. Our military is shooting them down. And no one's saying anything. No one. I mean, I don't even get it. Did did you happen to see um, Corinne Jean-Pierre try to explain that over the weekend? My God, is she really, could she be that incompetent? I don't, I, I really don't like to keep criticizing people, but for some reason, this administration, it's almost like abuse. You know, what they do to Joe Biden, I don't like the guy. I've never liked him as a politician. Don't even really like him much as a human being, honestly. But you know what? He is the president. That, But what they do to him is like elder abuse. And, and this poor woman, whatever you think of her, she should not be in that position. It's like they abuse these people. Yeah, and to think that Joe Biden was on the uh, back phone over the weekend and then they call him, hey, Joe, we got another unit flying over. Oh, go shoot it down. People really think he's making these decisions? Give me a break. I, I, I am, I, like I said, I, I don't even know I don't even know what I don't know anymore. I, 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 what is next? I mean, come on, the whole weather balloon thing was so bizarre. Why did we allow it to fly all the way across our country, then shoot it down, and then within days, all I, I've heard China is they claim they're shooting things down over their country. Well, remember when you were a little boy, and you know your parents would give you that speech about lying and. You know, hey, when you lie, you got to make another lie to cover that lie, right. and it just keeps snowballing. Apparently, you know, these people in charge in our country never got that speech when they were younger because they just continually lie on top of lie on top of lie, yeah. and then when truth comes out, they deny the truth. You you know what really makes it so frustrating when they lie to us. They know they're lying to us, and they know we know they're lying to us, and they just keep doing it. Yeah, the, the best is is when they said, well, you know, we had to turn the radar up a little bit so we can see these things. Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can fire a drone 10,000 miles away and kill somebody walking down the street with no collateral damage. And you're telling me some guy looking at the radar has to turn the gay up on it? <laughs> and, and, and they think that we believe that? Are you kidding me? Uh, I know. It's, it's um, like I said, I, I don't even know. You're, you're right. We, there is so much bizarre stuff going on, and we have so much technology that, that, come on, let's make another comparison between the two administrations. When, when Trump was in office, I think everybody knows how I feel about Trump, but we do have to give him credit for the things he was doing right. I didn't, really didn't like him as a president either or a person, but he did a lot of things right. Remember the Space Force? Wouldn't it be nice that, that we actually yeah. would have really moved forward with that idea? Well, like him or hate him, 
he kept us safe, right? And he would do everything in his power to keep us safe and keep the American people aware, hey, this is what's going on. This is what we got to do. And, okay, go do it. But when people get on TV, it's hysterical. Well, yeah, you know, the gain on our radar was low. So now we tweaked it a little bit. So now we can see these objects. you got to be kidding me. I mean, we have military jets flying all over our country every day, all the time. Let's put it into truck driver speak, what they're talking about here. This would be like, you know, you didn't hear me on the CB because you left your squelch up too high. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is, here's what's more funny is that over all these years, we had pretty much a lot of the military and other pilots reporting these quote unquote UFOs, right? Um, what, what was their radar then? Was the squelch turned up or down on their radar then? But now all of a sudden, NORAD, the people in charge of watching all this, oh, someone hit the squelch, they hit it with their elbow while they were grabbing their coffee. Oops, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like, too. And if that's the case, how much information does everybody now have because how many of these things went unnoticed? You know, they tried to claim that Here's another one that made me crazy. They tried to claim it happened like three times while Trump was in, because they always have to compare everything to Trump. We all do, I guess, these days. Uh, right. So they made a big deal. They're not saying that anymore because it it sounds like nobody could really prove that. But they were like, oh, yeah, it happened three times. Well, why didn't Trump know? It? Well, we didn't know it either. We just found out about it now. Well, how did we find out about it now? Nothing they're saying about any of this is making sense. No, and, and to say they don't know what these things are, that is a complete lie. Of course A complete lie. Where's the footage? Where's the footage from the uh, fighter planes that shot these down? Where's that footage? Right. Where is it? It's, you know, I, I, I hate to keep, I almost hate to do this more now because things are getting so weird. But you know how I feel about being prepared. If you've ever thought about being prepared, you might want to really start doing it. You know, some food, some water, some some backup power somehow. I, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, it, it's impossible to be too prepared. Well, I uh, I joined uh, Joe Salatin's podcast. And uh, I tell you what, you that's something if you want to be prepared, you should follow him. Because, you know, he's right on. I mean, I just listened to his thing about the AIDS and all that and what's going on there with the chickens. It's, it, it is insane what, are, what we are doing. Yes. Across the board. There's so many things happening that it's almost like you can't catch your breath and you can't stop long enough to think about any one of them, which I believe is probably part of the plan. Yeah, I mean, bird, this quote-unquote bird flu comes from birds. Uh, but when it gets into a domestic situation, we have to kill all them. But in the wild, birds that get it, that get sick, they die. If they die, if they don't, they get immunity to it. But we seem to not want to admit that 
birds can have in the in natural like chickens and that could be immune to it so we got to kill them all well his his last blog post made so much sense and i didn't really know that's how they did this but if if you have a a chicken grower whatever they call them um i'm seeing some messages about an echo so i gotta watch my audio here um, and they get this, the, the avian flu, the bird flu in their flock, uh, the FDA or whoever, I believe it's the FDA, comes in, inspects. Once it's there, they kill the entire flock. And his premise is, wait a minute, the birds that le- are left over. Now, we put these birds in the worst conditions possible. It's amazing to me that we don't have more outbreaks of this. And I think we're going to see more of this. And yet, even in those horrendous conditions, we have birds that have a strong enough immune system that they don't die from this. But then we kill them. No, that's the stock we should be breeding to have natural immunity to this stuff. Well, and and the standard is, is one infection in a flock. They kill everyone. One infection. Uh, They kill them all. Yeah, I, I... I don't even know what to say anymore. I, I really don't. This It's just every week, it just seems like there's one more thing that we never thought we'd be talking about. Right, and, and you're right. I mean, this, you know, this is going to travel, and it, and it is already. Diseases go through all different wild animals, right? It's it's what nature does. It's a, it's a part of the way nature calls out weak animals and nature's got it figured out but what does man do man always screws everything up we do well hey if one's got it we gotta we gotta kill them all because we're gonna stop it that's completely insane hey maybe we should put masks on all the animals that might that might be the fix i i well you know they're already talking about a human vaccine you know we're 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 treating the uh, we're treating this outbreak exactly like we are treating COVID, and it doesn't work. It, no, ignore natural immunity, go to extremes right away, wipe them all out, let's try to get to zero, we need vaccines. Uh, no talk whatsoever of um, immune systems, just like we knew good, uh, metabolically healthy people did not have a problem with COVID, but we ignored that and, and we made the entire problem worse. We're taking the exact same approach to this. This isn't by mistake. No, no, it's it's um, it's in motion. Whoever decided to put these wheels in motion, it's in motion and it's the wheels aren't going to stop. They're going to keep going, you know, and uh <laughs> You know, when you look at the profits that the drug companies are making and the amounts of money that they spend, uh, it, it, you know, they're, they're, they have no pushback, nor will they ever. No, no. And, and you know, well, let's throw in the whole green new push that's probably going to crash our economy. And um, I, I, like I said, I finally decided yesterday and and. Today, like I said, the whole idea of let's, we, we got to get back to, to kind of living again. And, and you know, 
just because of what I do, I feel like I have to spend a lot of time on these things. I have to watch a lot of news. I have to read a lot of news. I have to pay attention. I, you know, I have to think about this all the time and, and it gets old. And, but I can't quit. I mean, all of us need to be doing this. And, and for me, it's kind of what I do, but it was starting to wear on me. And I, I decided I, I got to figure out as bad as all this seems and as, as much as we have to stay vigilant, we have to stay on top of this. I also have to figure out how to, you know, make sure I don't stop enjoying life. Well, you bring up a great point is uh, you can do, you know, as best the job that you can do in informing people, but, you know, you got to live your life and somehow stay mentally sane in the process. Yeah. Yesterday was just one of those uh, that was just a real mental health day. I just I was just just a fantastic day from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's important to have those days. You know, you just uh, you know, they clean your your brain out a little bit and uh, get you get you ready for Monday morning and then you turn the news on and <laughs> I know. I know. it's like, it's like, it's like groundhog day, right? Groundhog day. I, I mean, it's every day. I know. I know. So since we're, we're talking about my day yesterday and I, I actually got to garden, which was just incredible. It's just a beautiful day to get in the garden. Did it even did some planting, but you know, when I read Gabe Brown's book about, you know, dirt to soil, how you create, you know, real soil, and he, he uses the analogy of your soil should look like chocolate cake. I think I've gone beyond chocolate cake. I My soil is now like chocolate brownie mix. I cannot believe how I have been able to change this soil. This stuff is incredible. It's dark, almost black. It's so rich. It never dries out. It like holds so much moisture. Stuff grows in it incredibly with almost zero fertilizers of any kind. You know, I, and everything I do use is completely natural and organic, but I am able to use less and less. And, and my goal at some point is I shouldn't have to put anything on as far as that goes. You know, just composting, which I'm already doing. But I, I am just shocked at how fast um, I've been able to take what was just horrible horrible, dry, rocky, crumbly dirt and, and turn it into this stuff. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is you look at, you know, nature, when nature figures, you know, when, when nature's got it right, that's the situation that you have. Right. I mean, uh, and we have nothing but screw up nature since the beginning, you know, of time almost. And, and uh, now we're trying to put, uh, as they say, the toothpaste back in the toothpaste dispenser. And uh, it's very hard to do. But I don't see any other way of, of going forward. I mean, as far as we got it, we got to try to get back to where we came from. And, uh, you know, being self-sufficient, taking care of ourselves and our neighbors and uh, relying on ourselves and relying on our neighbors and uh, for everything. And uh, as far as the government goes, I mean, <laughs> you see what we get. <laughs> right? Well, here's, 
You know, what you just said is really pretty critical, and I hope people understand why it's so important to focus on things that may seem really simple, like gardening or canning or dehydrating or being more self-sufficient. The reason it's so important, it's about all we have left that we have control over. We, we realize we've lost control of our government. That's a really scary thing to say, but we have. We have lost control of our government. We've lost control of our media. We no longer have a media that protects us. And we know that social media is also a problem. We have to, con- we have to work on what we can control. And that's about all that's left right now. Yeah, great point. Great point. And, uh, but we all still always got to be hopeful, right? I mean, it sounds like doomsday, but we always got to be hopeful. We got to find joy and happiness. Yeah. Uh, even in the darkest times, right? I mean, it's what the Bible says. And, uh, we, we just have to persevere and do the best that we can do. Yes, absolutely. All right, Tim. Good stuff. I'm going to move along. Calls are starting to pile up. It's a free-for-all Monday. It's also ask me anything you want. Like, uh, ask me opinions, of my opinion about whatever you want. Ask me something about my history. Tell me something about your history that's weird. I don't care. We just need to have a little more fun. There's an awful lot of serious stuff going on, and I want to make sure we don't uh, kind of lose our sanity through all of this. Let's go to Maryland. Randy, welcome to the program. And Nope. Yep. Are we there? Go ahead. Yep, you're there. Oh, okay. Heard a weird heard a weird beat. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, do you garden barefoot? I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I I do. You know, occasionally, depending on what I have to do, if I have to do, you know, a lot of kind of heavier kind of stuff, tilling or you know, moving a lot of rock. Yeah. Don't rototill. Don't rototill barefoot. That's exactly. So, but most of the time, yeah, I'm barefoot in the garden. I actually had a guy call me this a couple of years ago when I first started talking about gardening. And I at, at first, I actually thought he was joking. I, I took it as a joke in the beginning, and then it turned out he was really, really serious. He believed because he's, you know, heard that there's like microbes in the soil and, you know, bacteria and fungi. Oh, I remember that. You remember yes. him? He was, he was telling me how yes, dangerous it I was do. for me to I spend do. all that time in my garden, how unhealthy it was. Yes. Yes. Oh, I watched, uh, I watched, I watched a little YouTube blip about, you know, there's a scientist who hooked up all kinds of electric probes all over a couple of studies, bodies, and then, sent them out on the grass and on the pavement and on the sidewalk and in shoes and all kinds of different footwear. And the difference between all of those non-soil surfaces and then the person standing on dirt, how extremely different the, you know, the, the electro pulses and magnetic pulses. He was showing that, you know, Stepping, stepping on dirt, you are able to measure the electromagnetic field of the earth through the body in just a matter of nanoseconds. So there's a, there's an interesting standing on other surfaces. There's an interesting lesson in this too. So, you know, we're kind of the, the big fight around food right now seems to be 
the two ex- what what we would call the two extremes, although I would argue one of them is not an extreme at all. Um, the, between <laughs> between vegan and carnivore, and you know we, we argue right, you know right. you can't possibly be healthy as a vegan. You're not getting good complete protein. You're not getting B12. You're not getting this. And then the vegans say, well, you're not getting you know the the um, uh, micronutrients. Oh, and yeah, you're not, you're not gonna get. You're not getting the phytonutrients and yada right. yada yada. You're not getting the phytonutrients. You're not getting them? the fiber. They make a big deal about fiber, and then they make a big deal, right? Don't we hear this all the time about antioxidants? And almost yeah. all of the antioxidants are in plants. So they they claim yeah. that oh, well, where are you going to get all of your antioxidants? What you just talked about is our most powerful source of antioxidants. Just being in contact with the earth, which we were 100% of the time as hunter-gatherers. We were never not connected to the earth. And that was our antioxidant system, and I believe it's all we needed. Yes. Yep, yep. I think between between being connected to the earth and... Being out in the open daylight at sunup and sundown to get as much natural yes. infrared as possible. Absolutely. You know, I think that, you know, there, there is all, all this infrared therapy. I really wonder if it's doing anything more or anything better than just being no. outside no. at sunup and sundown. I, I don't believe that it is. I don't believe, in fact, I don't believe it's as good. I just think it's our best substitute right now. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing. I really wish that I lived. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, I really wish that, you know, I live, I live in Virginia and I live, I live in my truck. I stay, I visit Virginia. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But you know, it's just, it's a, it's It's a constant wall of trees. Everywhere I look on the East Coast, it's just a wall of trees. I never really see the true sunrise until I get out west. And I yearn to be back out in the open spaces because, you know, if you're standing out in West Texas when the sun comes up, I mean, my gosh, you've got 30, 40 minutes of good, deep infrared sunrise. Right. You know, you know, and you just lose that. And probably even where you're at on the gorge, you lose out on some of that. Oh, I I, I have to wait for the sun to come up over a, a almost a 3,000-foot ridge line. Yeah, and at that point, you've lost that good. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I, you think they, I think they say three, th- three minutes before and three minutes after sunrise. Right, right. Is so the, Is the best you know, time for it, infrared. I, I'm working on wrapping up my stress protocol. It's kind of interesting that in the beginning, my fear was that I wasn't going to be able to figure out anything that really worked. Remember me talking about that? Like, I, I can't, I, right, right. I, I can't figure out this stress thing. Nothing seems to work the way I think it should. Now, now my problem is too many things worked. I, it, I'm really optimistic, right. well, but now I just have to figure out which one's the best. How do we put this together right? But here's what I realized when I go back and look at it. Everything about the stress protocol is really trying to recreate our hunter-gatherer lifestyle. The breathing, the hot, yes. the cold, the resistance, the everything that, that will fix our stress issue 
is just trying to mimic, like you said, this all this light therapy, all we're trying to do is mimic the damn sun. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I think, you know, you, you were talking a little bit with that other caller about your, you know, being prepared and, you know, not maybe not full on prepping, but, you know, sadly, I think if a person is not already living a homesteader lifestyle, you're already so far behind the eight ball that if, if shit goes sideways, you may be out of luck. You know, if you're an apartment dweller or a city dweller and you don't have the ability to raise and gather your own food, you might just, you might just be a lost case, you know, there's no doubt. I mean, I started talking about this a couple of years ago. I started, and I'll call it prepping, um, you know, six or seven years ago. And, and it takes time. I mean, it really does. It, now, if you have a lot of yeah. money, you can make up for some time. I mean, you, you could, you know, go buy enough canned meat and dehydrated and freeze-dried food. Money would make up for a lot, but you better have a lot of one or the other money or time because this is not an easy thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not, it's not. And, you know, and, and should the world go completely sideways? I mean, indefinitely. All the stored produce and all the stored meat that you have on hand isn't going to out outlast it you know and if you if you have oh, to wait correct. until the grocery store no yeah and you know and if you have to wait until the grocery stores no longer have any meat on the shelf this is not the time to go figure out how to buy land fence in pasture and get yourself a cow i think you know if you don't weird. if you don't already have it you're you have i'm getting a weird, a weird feedback are you still here? Yeah, me? I okay. feel like there's feedback. It's I do hear you, but I feel like there's a third party, you know, like there's a party line and there's somebody else on it. That's yeah, I'm getting some kind of weird background sound. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it it's is, I'm pretty but, um, sure it's the UFOs jamming me. It probably is. It probably is. Um oh, speaking of those, not to get completely off base, because I feel like you probably beat that dead horse enough times. But are these not just Weather balloons, and I'm sorry, but is this not a primitive technology? Why why are we even sending up weather balloons to gather any data when every satellite in the sky can do just as good a job? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, mean, I guess I just you know I the, guess I just don't understand what the and if they're shooting down these balloons, why are they why are they shooting what they're carrying? They talked about the one that they shot down over South Carolina about all they're doing is finding bits and pieces. Well, if they'd have shot the balloon and not the data center, it makes no sense. Just pop the balloon and land the stupid thing. And so now you have the data center intact and you can see what you're working with. Well, I, the I balloon thought, is not a threat. It's. I, I thought that's what they did because that just seems like total common sense, right? Try not to destroy this. Does until- it, doesn't it? until we can maybe figure but, out what it might be. The weird thing about balloon technology but yet they're not able to, yeah. is, is even though it does seem like this really kind of um, old school, you know, it, there's some, you know, Google is looking at covering the whole world in internet and using balloons to do it. That There does seem to be some pretty high-tech use of that 
kind of old technology. I'm, I'm not so sure, like you Great. said, I don't know about the whole spying thing, though, because like you said, satellites are so high tech now. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's, there's something fishy about it. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, why, why now? Why, why just now? And like they said, you know, they, they were talking about, you know, three or four, however many of them flew over during Trump's era. Well, they've probably been flying over all along and they're just now needing to make some, you know, some stuff about it so that they, I don't know. I feel like it's just another one of those stupid things that they're using to tie up the media so that they don't cover other news stories that they don't want us to hear. (laughs) I know. It's just, uh, it's a crazy world we're living in right now. It is, it is. But, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I just kind of feel like the best, the best stress protocol possible out there. And it's not one that's available to everybody. No, you know, you know, you know, we can even say, look, you know, we could talk about even gardening. I've talked about this. The movement around gardening is is probably as close oh, yeah. as we're going to get to what we did as hunter-gatherers. Although there's still the whole act of just hunting and fishing. Those are two really good skills yeah. to have, too. And they're really healthy. <laughs> right? I mean, getting out. Yeah, they are. And hunting and fishing and being in that part of nature and providing your own food. I think people should really consider taking up those things as well. I think I think if you're really, truly going to expect to live in a world that's upside down, you can't do it as an armchair quarterback living in an apartment complex. Oh, oh, I, I, I. If I lived in a city right now, it would be my goal to the, my first thing. We, I just got to get the hell out of this city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I live, I live pretty rurally, but I wish I lived even further disconnected from society. I, I originally thought I had enough distance, but I'm kind of rethinking that now too. Or I do have a property that's even more remote than we are that I, I need to start thinking about maybe getting it ready. And I know there are a lot of people out there thinking that I'm just insane, but I hope that I am. I hope that I am totally wrong about this, but I'm not taking the chance. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, I wish I would have done what I'm doing now. I wish I'd have started the game 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's because a, I just, I just don't feel, I don't feel like I'm deep enough into it yet to be able, to feel comfortable. Hey, you know, one of the other topics I just got into this discussion in in kind of a group that you know I belong to like this. The, the the hardcore preppers, I don't really consider myself a hardcore prepper. I just like being self-reliant and I like doing all this stuff anyway. And so, but the hardcore preppers, one of the things I always see them talking about is, is ammo, of course, because if you've got food and water and all the things you need, then you have to protect it because everybody else is going to want it. But I see the numbers they're talking about. Now, I, I have plenty of ammo, I think, <laughs> you know? And I, I, I think, wait a minute, guys, I, I get it. You want to make sure you have enough ammo, but we have to think about this for a second. Be realistic. If I need my ammo, if I'm actively shooting at people because they're trying to take things from me, how long do I think I'm going to last anyway? I mean, really, well, do the I think there's, I could there's, possibly... all, there's always going to be some. 
Go ahead. If, if it really gets bad, do I think I could possibly go through 10,000 rounds before somebody's going to shoot me? Exactly. There's always going to be somebody bigger and badder that's got more than you do. And there's just no way around that. We just have to be a little reasonable about this. Sure, it's nice to have some extra for yeah. bartering and trading, and that, that may be an issue, but the numbers I see are just insane. Yeah, it really is. It, there, people have taken it to an extreme level, and, you know, not to, you know, I, I feel like it's more for, you know, prepping against Chinese invasion than anything else. Again, if that's the case, how long do I think I'm going to be able to hold out? Right? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I, I believe. I mean, they I, could. They could look. Look what you know. Look at what just happened in Ukraine. And and for the people who think, oh, why are you talking yeah. like this? Can't happen. This kind of stuff happens all over the world. It happens every day. We yeah. just never experienced it in yep. our country. Look at what happened to Venezuela. Go go study that. But look at what happened in Ukraine. Within the first couple of days, it was how do we arm the public? Because they weren't armed. Right. They weren't allowed to own those kind of weapons. We are. They may not be yep, full exactly, auto. Exactly. We're allowed to own some pretty cool weapons oh, yeah. of war, and I'm glad that we're allowed to own them. And I encourage people to own them and yeah. learn how to use them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, war is never, modern war has never come to American soil, but. I think if it did, we'd either the either the invaders would be horribly overwhelmed, or we would find out that we're not where we need to be. Yeah, who knows? Who? Know? But again, <laughs> I, I was, we we can't. We don't seem to have much control over our government, so there's not a whole lot we can do there. We just have to hope for the best. And unfortunately, it looks like our military is in horrible condition right now. Yeah. We can only control what we no, can and it's, control. And it's only get, and it's only going to get worse. I, you know, I've just, you know, unless, unless they, unless they really start talking about reinstating the draft, I really wonder how many, how many next generation high school graduates are going to start going and knocking on the military's doors. You know, even if you reinstate the draft, I'm really worried about the the health and fitness and specifically testosterone levels of our youth the, the yeah the the mental stability of right. our youth right that too yeah. another good point the mental stability the physical condition the the testosterone levels you know we are doing our best to wipe out toxic masculinity in this country and they're succeeding oh i know it i know it and i'm and i'm sorry but you know it's that toxic masculinity that keeps our SEAL teams and our Army <laughs> Rangers. exactly right. You know, <laughs> you, we need you, you warriors. Don't, you don't get those elite teams. Yeah, we need warriors. And without mas toxic masculinity, you don't get them. Yeah. Crazy stuff. All right, Randy, yeah, calls are yeah. piling up. I'm it gonna, is, it is. I, I'm going to yep. move along here. I just looked down and uh, glad the technology seems to be working so far. Let's go to Idaho. Andrew, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. So I wanted to talk about the Chinese balloon or whatever and this new business. Which one do you want first? Uh, let's do the balloon. 
Okay. So I have a contrarian thought process to the balloon, um, but it's not like, it's, it's not full on conspiracy or whatever, but I do. And I've always believed that our government should keep things from the public. Um, especially in today's world, when we have phones and technology, the way that we do, um, if the government's telling the American people what they're doing, then they're telling the whole world what they're doing. And so well, there's either two, Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to, I don't mean to interrupt, but I would just want to make a point before I forget it. I don't disagree with that. I, I do believe that there are things that, that not everybody needs to know, especially military stuff. The problem I have with what's going on right now is this is rampant across the board about everything. We're watching people stream across our southern border every single night and then we turn on the tv and our government says the border is secure we're watching prices go through the roof and the government says it's not happening we're we're you know saying that look we knew about this vaccine and masks and lockdowns and the government is saying that's not true it, it's so rampant in areas where we they shouldn't be hiding stuff from us that now we're just so paranoid and pissed off about it that i want to know everything now that you, you can't hide anything from us anymore yeah. I, I agree with you um, on all of those facts, you know, but specifically about the military. So my thought process is there's two big things happening right now. Either one, we're mobilizing for war and we wouldn't want the American people to know that because it would create right. panic right. and I agree. It would maybe give our position away, take away the, the possibility of a surprise. Um, or there's a huge like chemical spill in, I think it was Ohio from a train derail but it's nowhere on the news. You can only get it on social media. I know. Um, and we're either trying to distract from that. So why not let you think there's UFOs? I don't think that we've shot down anything other than one balloon off the coast of uh, South Carolina. Um, I don't believe the information they're giving us about all oh, we can't gather all the Intel or it's completely, I'm sure that with today's technologies, we already knew what Intel that balloon gathered prior to shooting it down with the armed with the fact, you know, the knowledge that, Oh, well we could destroy it by shooting it down. You know, it, it just, those things don't make any sense. However, I'm in agreement with, hey, let's lie to the people a little bit when it comes to military things, because they can't possibly tell us because we have big mouth. We, we think that we need to know everything. And when we know the whole world knows. So I just want people to have a, that, somewhat of a thought process lying to us about COVID. Maybe there's something behind there or maybe there's not the inflation. That's probably more of them trying to keep the American people with an optimistic mindset. And we've always done this. The president's just a puppet. He just talks on stage, um, you know, and, and it's just really like more like a crowd control in my opinion. Um, but again, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> well, just, <laughs> well, well none of us do. and I, mean, I have that, no clue. That's, it, it, right. We all need to be honest that we, none of us know what goes on at that level. We, we all, we can do is speculate. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's when you speculate, it's, it's healthy to not just be narrowed in to one idea, one thought process, you know, doomsday, 
um, you know, everything's going to come to an end because then what type of life are you living? You know, so you have to, you have to be open-minded when you go through this type of thought process, you know, just be open to, okay, well maybe there's a good reason they're keeping us, keeping us in the dark, you know, and that's probably why they sound like complete idiots when they're on, on the podium, you know, talking into a microphone because it's just fabricated shit that they're trying to get through, you know, just to like move us along, you, you know, but imagine what COVID, we saw what COVID did, right? When people were scared, riots over toilet paper, right. uh, shutdowns, right. uh, shortages. Imagine if, well, Putin did say just, and, and, and I like Putin. I know everybody's gonna be like, what the hell are you talking about? Putin's standing his ground. That's what our leaders need to do. You know, Absolutely. Um, but I, imagine if he did. Yeah. I, imagine if he did tell America, I'm going to send a nuke and like full on you like, like we got to be on high alert. Why would our government tell us about it? I'm sitting here in Denver right now, normal traffic, right? Right. Just almost at a standstill. Yeah. Imagine oh, what it would I, be like if the American right. people knew a nuke were coming, right. even though you can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, it, it would be absolutely like, insane. I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Here's, here's an analogy. Have you ever known, I, I'm sure you have, everybody does. Have you ever known a person who just lies and exaggerates all the time and you look at him and you think, why would you lie about that? It's so obvious. You right. gain nothing from doing it. And yet you look right at me and you lie like that. And and you can't trust a person like that with anything. If they'll lie about something so inconsequential, that's what I feel like our government is doing right now. They're looking at us and lying about such stupid stuff that you have to wonder what's really going on. True, but there's only a few people that have the thought process you and I do, your listeners, so on and so forth. Most people are sheep and they're just going to listen. So if you lie enough about those things, it is fairly easy later on right. to just get the American people back on your side. You know, like, know. okay, we trust them. We've seen this time and time again over the last century. That's the scary part. <laughs> yes, people are just like, they're lazy. They don't have any thought process. And I guess it's critical uh, critical thinking skills as well. People don't really have them these days. Well, um, that's, and they, who cares about the people who are 55 or older, right? They, as far as that goes, you're going to be dead in 30 years, 20 years. We need to get into the minds of the youth. Hey, you know, so hey, that way Andrew, we can control them with uh, our words. Let, let's just step into that part of the conspiracy. They have no critical thinking skills anymore because of our government indoctrination centers that don't teach people how to think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's all intentional because they want they want you to be like that, you know, so that they can control your emotions and your thoughts. This is, that's all COVID was. It was emotional. You know, that's why every time someone's on the TV or something big's happening, they, they look at, Oh, the elder are dying because everybody's sensitive to elders. You know, we love them. They're the, the longest person in our family that we've loved. So we have a soft spot in our heart for elders. So let's put them in the limelight so that you'll get emotional and, you know, bend to our ways. I, I get emotional, all right. Every time I see the leader of the free world stumble through a basic sentence, I get emotional, all right. But I don't think it's the same emotions they're looking for. 
<laughs> right. I, I do believe that Biden, I, I think he does have, it was like a late onset speech impediment. And I would imagine something that comes in that late in life would progressively get worse as you age. I just can't wrap my head around why we keep voting old people into office. I know. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it just doesn't make any sense, uh, especially when you see somebody like Barack Obama and George Bush, not that old, right? And how much they aged because of how tough and long hours they have to pull over such a long period of time. It doesn't make any sense to put someone who's in their elder ages in that position. Uh, it, it absolutely and that's just doesn't. Furthering that, the evidence that they're just puppet puppets. Yeah, I don't think there's much that ages you um, more. We've watched it with everybody. Clinton went through it, you know, horrendous for for Clinton, really, from start to finish. And you're right that uh, he he shouldn't have been a candidate this time. I think that was elder abuse, really. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, well i mean maybe it's just someone the last ditch effort for the fame um put them in there we can control them whoever's pulling the strings right right um but <laughs> that that's getting down the the conspiracy rabbit hole um I which know. i'm there but i'm not there i'm more realistic right in between know. you know um we have to be <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You got to be open-minded and that's going to put you in a gray area that the majority of people don't understand. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be an outcast, you know? Um, and anyways, I, I wanted to, uh, I talked to you before Christmas about getting my own authority. I was leased to a carrier. I've been an owner up for 10 years, 2 million miles. Um, finally decided to get my own authority. Um, because I agree with you down markets, the best time to start uh, forces you to, um, you know, be on your toes. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and, and of course on social media, I see everyone complaining about the rates and whatever. So I went active with my MC on January 17th. Congratulations. Something somewhere close to that. Thank you. Uh, I already had a load booked before I was active. Awesome. Um, and, <laughs> um, I've been, uh, I don't drive the truck. I still hey, hey, drive wait a the truck hey, that's Andrew, leased on to a carrier. Wait, wait a minute. Why are you doing such weird stuff? Everybody I know that activates their authority comes back into social media about two weeks later and starts complaining that brokers won't work with new authorities and, and the system's a wreck. It is a complaint. There's just no upside in articulating it. Um, uh, so... It, 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 has, it has been tough, right? So I believe what you speak uh, will manifest in, in your reality. Um, so if you want to complain about traffic, just as an example, do it in your mind. Don't let it come out of your mouth, <laughs> right. right? Control those types of things yeah. because everyone's in the same exact situation in that traffic, you know, and we would just have a bunch of angry people walking around if we did that. So it has been tough. However, um, I took that first load to the middle of Nevada I, I, I scored it for like 800 or grand more than they had it posted for simply because I expressed the deadhead and the fact that it was in the middle of not Nebraska, Nevada. Exactly. Um, I was like, come on, dude, I'm going to have, yeah, I'm going to have to deadhead hundreds of miles after this delivery. Right. And I know that's not your responsibility. However, I can get it moved for you. I've seen it on the load board for three weeks. Now you obviously haven't been able to find somebody to move it. I'll do it for this price. He instantly said yes, and it made me feel like, oh, shit, did I underbid? Could I have gotten more for that? But I, know. I didn't. 
<laughs> so it was, a, it was a recognized thought process, but it didn't matter because I was getting it for what I needed Correct. it to be. Right. Exactly. You know, and then, then a little extra. So, okay, I'm in the good. I don't need to dwell on that thing that I can't change. I didn't have a load coming out of Nevada. I was just headed to Salt Lake because it's a you know, big city um, and I don't like California. So anyways, uh, I have a driver in that truck. I still drive the least on truck that I own. Both of them are completely paid for. Um, and um, so he drives that truck and I drive the one that's leased on. Once I have my, you know, my beak is wet and the cash is flowing and I got, you know, that time under authority, I'll move the other truck and I already have planned into buying a third truck. I'm doing power only. On my way from Nevada to Salt Lake, I randomly, I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want the, the, the load board to be flooded. It's a private load board. Um, and I'm getting 360 a mile roughly if okay. you count it one way. But right. because it's power only, they want the trailer to be brought back. So it comes down to like 190 if you, if you calculate it like that. But I'm allowed to use the trailer for a backhaul. So I'm running from Utah to Oregon and Washington um, and then getting a backhaul and coming back. And I see people saying, oh, the backhaul you need to take for just as much freight. And it really just isn't how the math works. You know, just the price doesn't need to be the same. Oregon and Salt Lake, Seattle are cheap areas for freight. And I use that term very loosely because it's cheapest relative to who's talking about it. Yeah, right. Um, I still make money on it. So anyways, I'm, I've done some rough numbers. I've got profit gauges. I haven't, I'm doing your tutorial. Um, every time I go home, I'm getting through it and getting a little bit more information put in there. Good. Um, but my rough numbers are $1.10 a mile in profit to the company. Now I'm not right. an owner up, I'm carrier, right? Two trucks, right. authority. Right. So that's including driver, driver pay of 50 cent a mile, um, 30 cent a mile for maintenance, the mileage uh, that I set aside for taxes, all my overheads, the load boards, the workman's comp, the insurance, everything it comes up to a dollar seventy-five a mile that, to, to break even. So, and I'm profiting about a dollar, so, dollar ten. So, so like, I see, I see the complaints. I'm just like, maybe you just shouldn't be in the position you're in. Exactly, is, is let's, really let's, where the complaints let's are coming about from. Something. I mean, I, I can hear throughout your whole story, you're doing so many things right. I just from start to finish. But let's think about the result of that. Just a couple of years ago, I mean, just very recently, if we knew of an employee driving job that paid a dollar ten a mile, that would have been top of the line, right? Like, oh, nobody makes that kind of money to drive a truck, right? Absolutely. It, here, we're, here, what you're saying, I want people to understand what we're saying. You did not drive this truck. You could have sat home, no, I done almost do nothing, and still got paid more to move freight than the people out there that had to drive 100,000 miles to do it. Well, yeah, and if you think about that, what you just said, a dollar ten a mile in straight profit, the average driver does drive 100 to 120,000 miles. This is profit. I mean, I don't know if people can do quick math, but that's $100,000 in profit to a company off of one truck. 
in, if you it, forecast that for the whole year. Now I'm realistic. That's probably not going to happen. But well, 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 right. um, but if but, I'm half wrong, it's still fifty thousand. Exactly. Right? And, and <laughs> to think that and look, you know this, and and it will get easier and easier as you go. At some point, that won't even qualify as a part time job. Oh yeah. Right now, it's been a for for me. It's been a full time job along with driving my truck. I've got a, you know a stay at home wife. She babysits yeah, right. um, kids from the school that my kids go to. So I mean, we have like four or five different income streams, um, and the goal is to get to seven or eight because that's what the studies show. The average millionaire has seven streams of income. Um, now, whether that's all under one business um, name or whatever, which is what I'm doing, um, or just you know investments and so on and so forth, and things like that. But, um, it, it's, she, she does, she has her skill set, right. That are my weak points. So we just simply divided, okay, well, why don't you do this? Cause it's easier to do it from home. Right. right? And I'll do these things, communicating, talking, negotiating, trip planning, numbers, communicating with the driver. Those are my responsibilities, rate cons, um, carrier packets, surf the load board every now and then just to help, you know, I do that all day. It's like, I'm, I'm a, like a load board rat. Right. Um, and you have right. to be, especially in that, in that Northwest location, yep. when you don't have that time under authority, you have to be a rat and you have to be the, you gotta be the shit when you call these brokers and, right. and the feedback I get from them is incredible. So I, I love the guys that are on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube complaining about everything because that's how they present themselves when they call the brokers. <laughs> that's and exactly right. when I call them, they're like, wow, you're, you're very refreshing. I've had three of them say, you know, you don't qualify to work for us until you've got 30, you know, 90 days or whatever, but we'll make an exception. I, I've had that happen three times. Andrew, I've only pulled. Uh, Andrew, but, I have been telling people that for years, people, but companies can have all the rules they want. They will make exceptions when, when it makes sense. And, and you just explained right. it. That's how you get these companies to make exceptions. You do all of this stuff, right? You do what everybody else isn't willing to do. And, and it works. All of this stuff works and it's not rocket science. That's why yeah, that's why I wanted to call back into the show and express it because you've been beating it like it's a dead horse, right? And people still don't get it. Although I think that your group of listeners, they're, they're there with you, right? It, right um, in the right. same thought process. Otherwise, they would have left you a long time ago. So exactly. everybody that can hear me right now is like all in the same, same boat, same thought process. Um, but I just wanted to reinforce what you've been saying because it's, it's a real world experience you know, um, from somebody who is new, um, quote, and I, I, I use, I use that very loosely because I've got 2.3 million exactly. miles of driving right, experience right. as an owner operator, but nobody gives a shit about that because they only look at the MC number and that's, that's all correct. they care about. Yep. Um, so if I can keep them on the phone long enough to explain it, um, they typically are like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't spoken to somebody with clarity, uh, like you in a long time, you know, yeah, yeah, um, right. and if it's cheap rate, you know, it, I, if it's low, I just don't take it. And I, I don't 
complain about it to them because I realize I'm speaking to just some agent in a big building Correct. somewhere right. that doesn't have any authority to do anything. You know, that's, that's, um, if you get scraped over the coals, just don't work with them again. <laughs> you know, it's that it, simple. Andrew, sometimes doesn't it seem like you look around and go, with the level of competition here, it's almost too easy. And I'm not saying that running the business is easy. It's a lot of work to do all the right stuff. But once you do all the right stuff, don't you kind of look around and go, there really isn't any competition. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is uh, that's well, And this might sound, you know, somewhat people might frown upon this, but it's a thought process. When I was in the army, when I was going through basic training, it was tough. And it was co-ed. And every time I felt like, man, I just wish I could just like tap out and just be done with this. I just looked around and there's like 98 pound girls that are still <laughs> going. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way I'm dropping out right now. Right. That's motivation. <laughs> and it's the same thought process with truckers. <laughs> yes, exactly. The average education level to do this job is eighth grade. I went to ninth grade, quit, got a GED, went in the military and self-educated. And I know how smart I am, what I bring to the table with my thought process, you yeah. know? So I just keep telling myself, if some of the drivers that I've seen at TA lounges can do this, I can make it work. Hey. If non-English speaking people are doing it every single day and making money and getting by growing companies, and not saying they're not smart just because Andrew. they don't speak English, but there's a, that's a level of difficulty that they've added to their business and they're still making it work. Yeah. I can do it as yeah. well. You know what the most hilarious attack that I get from haters, it, it just, I, I laugh every time they will get to the point and they'll say, well, you're on the radio talking about this because you can't do it yourself in the real world. <laughs> no, it's probably because you make more money doing what you're doing now than you did as a driver. And you had, uh, we all have chapters in our life. We've, I've done a brokering. I've, I've been a freight broker. It sucked. I yes. did it for, I was, I was active for a year. I only worked actively in it for two months because that was enough time for me to gather feedback that I didn't want to make it work. Same with me. It, it's a shitty job. It is a if, shitty if job. If you can get to the certain point, if you can get, if you can get through it, it's very rewarding, but I didn't want to put the work into that Avenue. So it changes a chapter, you know? And so we, we all have those things and it's fine. We've all changed, you know? Um, and, and that's all you've done. You just, at some point in your life, you're like, yeah, this is a better path for me to be on. And you chose to go that route, um, which is good, you know? And, and just those people who hate on you for that, like that, they're just narrow-minded. They don't have any broad thought process at all. Yeah, the, 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 the funny thing is, is, is that, you know, I try to show them how simple this business really can be. And then their comeback is, well, you just couldn't do it in the real world, which is just kind of hilarious. But, uh, but that's, uh, yeah, that's exactly. the way it is. Hey, hey Andrew, I'm going to cut you loose. Calls are piling up again. Congratulations on an awesome start. Keep it up and uh, check in. I love these kind of stories. I want to follow you along. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. What's on your mind today? When someone comes on the government when someone comes and says i'm from the government i'm here to help you i'll tell you everything you need to know 
they're the ones you should be wary of. You ain't kidding. Yeah, you know, I don't even the, think they bother to you, do that anymore, though. Really? No, they just they just do it. So yeah. yeah. If you need, they think if we need to know, we'll get it off social media. Maybe I don't know. They, so, well, but they, well, and they control they handle that. they control most of that too. So yeah, yeah. So whether it's COVID or avian bird flu, their cure is. Same. Everybody need to get vaccinated, or everybody you need to get euthanized. Yeah, that's basically yeah, what they they're don't. doing with the chickens. Mm. So, um, I might be from the land of sheep, but I'm not one. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's right. They do have a lot of sheep in New so, Zealand, don't they? Yeah, we're not sure how many because every time we try to count them, we fall asleep. So, yeah. that's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, New Zealand um, lamb is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, they did get beat up over this weekend, though, with a, a cyclone that came through, which is a hurricane that spins the other way, for people that didn't know. That's correct. That's a fun little piece of trivia yeah, there. So, In the southern hemisphere, they're called yeah. cyclones. Yeah, because they go the other way. So. Um, that's about all I got today on at the bank. I've got to spend my money. <laughs> there so, you go. All I'll right. That's later. all we need. Good stuff. Let's go to Texas this time. Spencer, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, before I get into my question, though, two calls ago, that young fellow that's starting good for him. That's fantastic. That's exactly what, well, more or less what I do. And, um, I can always tell at the truck stop when I'm talking to somebody that they've been in the business since 2018 or less or newer, I guess, when they're complaining about rates because the data analytics, and I know you read them, uh, are still showing that we're well above historical averages, not to be confused with historical highs. Exactly. So at least in my you know area. So nope, good point. If you remember 2007 and two. If you remember 07 and 08, um, those of us that have been out here, which that isn't a long time ago, but for most drive, here it is. Yep, absolutely. No, you just got to go back in your brain and figure out, huh, how did I beat this last time? Oh, yeah, that's right. We did this. And, <laughs> yeah. that, and that's how we, you know, that's how we make it. So I... Uh, I, I, I get very frustrated with people at the truck shop that, you know, make that statement. Oh, you know, the brokers are keeping everything. Oh, my God. You know, the prices stink. And it's, life's about relativity. And you just, I guess, don't have the right relatives or something. I'm not sure. I'm yes. not sure because I, again, his, and I'm still running for 250 to 350 a mile. And uh, with very little uh, effort in trying to secure those loads. And am I getting five and six dollars a mile no but we only did that during one period and that was the same period everybody else did that in last year so you know had a great time stacked up the cash and i I guess we'll use that as a segue into my question um need to upgrade the truck and um i'm looking for you know i don't know 2019 2020 in the Detroit platform, um, realizing that's going to probably be an automatic 
I've never had an automatic before. So I'm unfamiliar with um, what I should be looking for for uh, the rear gear ratio and that type of thing. Um, I like to run, I do a lot of loads that are, you know, oh my gosh, we don't think we can get them there with a the solo driver type of loads. Um, so unfortunately that means I have to do, you know, when I am out west and it is possible, 70 to 75. Um, and I, I know there's, we're losing a lot of fuel mileage, I understand that, but just wondering what type of gear ratio I should be looking for. So if, if we, I'm going to take a step back here and approach it from the beginning, which is we need to sure. build an efficient truck or buy an efficient truck and we need it to be efficient across a wide range of speeds. I, I will still tell you that you sure. need to have a truck that's efficient at 60 miles an hour because there are times where you should be running 60 miles an hour because it's very efficient. You're also telling me you need a truck that can be efficient at 75 miles an hour. It, it's possible yep. to do it on the Freightliner platform. Um, uh, Henry Albert has got the best information on how to do that. Henry's uh, become a regular part of the show on Friday. The best platform on the market okay. for doing this is clearly the Volvo. Uh, Joel's now got Volvos that can run highway speeds in three different gears. That gives you such an incredible wow. range of highway speeds that you're still efficient at. The, it, but it, it comes down to the okay. engine architecture and the transmission options available. So are you, I think you said Freightliner, right? Are you dead set that's what it's going to be? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, it, you know, for various reasons, I, it just seems like it um, doesn't matter how much preventative stuff I do when the truck breaks down. It's, it's never next to my house. I, I know you find that hard to believe. So, uh, yeah. I, you know, when we when we break down, it, it, it's somewhere, and hopefully, we're by uh, Freightliner. Seems to have the most places out there. And well, yeah, uh, that, that, a lot that's, of a right. lot of expense. I I've been able to, you know, at least I'm a little familiar with them. We certainly don't have a great relationship where we know each other by name or anything, but kind of uh, I've learned the platform and kind of got it in my head, and you know, learned the mechanics of it. And I guess that's what I'm most familiar with. Yeah, and that all makes sense. Those are all important considerations. So if that's the case, then, you know, let's start from there. Um, we want to build a, this truck with a range of, say, 60 to 75. Does that sound right? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we're going to look at here an overdrive transmission, not a direct drive. We need to, to get that overdrive is what's going to get us and ideally, I'd like to be, and this is where it gets a little confusing on the air because I, I really need to get out transmission models and transmission, you know, lower gear ratios. What's the overdrive ratio? We'd ideally like to be in probably the 0.78, maybe 0.81 overdrive range. Um, if we could get... Okay a little higher that would help a little bit more and that's that's the one thing that there's so many variables that i i just can't memorize those with all the different manufacturers anymore so we're, we're probably going to be looking at something in the low two range gear ratios 230 240 um i think henry's gone even higher than that with with some luck 
So that's what we're looking at. Now we really just need to sit down with the, the charts on gear ratios and rear ends and, and just start getting really specific. So I see a lot of trucks out there on the used market in those age ranges, uh, 218s, 228s. That, um, there's, some, there's some 247s, which I have right now uh, in a manual. Um, now, let me, let me kind of sure let me, let me take away a thing I think that might be kind of confusing you or, or, you know, making you a little concerned because you're not, you know, familiar with them. The automated transmissions are really just manual transmissions shifted by a computer. We really don't use the term automatic. We call them auto shifts or automated manual okay. transmissions, AMTs. So they are absolutely okay. identical to every transmission you've ever looked at, um, other than the computer shifts them for you. Now, the newer, you know, transmissions, the Volvos have gone to newer designs with less turning gears and, you know, less counter shafts and they're, they're more efficient, but they are still manual transmissions. So we, we don't really look at them any okay. different. Okay. Um, that being said, my, my biggest, uh, and I was going to wait to go here with this question, but we might as well. Uh, my biggest concern, uh, I do a lot of stuff. Well, we're, I do all 48. The only thing I won't do is go across the bridges into New York City, and you know, I'm not going to get into a 20-minute story about that. Got it. But yeah. sure no, I get why. it. So, yep. um, so during, I know I do a lot of seasonal stuff. So, you know, we'll be in the Northwest here, kind of tail end of first quarter into second quarter, and then again, in late third quarter into fourth quarter, you know. Um, I go right by your place all the time. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of hill climbing. My biggest concern where I'm going is is um, I've had a few people explain to me, you know, how the Jake, Jake brakes work uh, with the new, like the DT12, I think, it's been out for years, but whatever, uh, transmission. And I'm, I, I, I think I've got the concept, but my problem is what happens uh, when the roads are absolutely nasty and you're on that, you're having, I just had one of these days last month in Wyoming, um, you know, where you're like, man, I shouldn't even be on the road. And, you know, what, how do the Jake brakes work, uh, on an automatic, you know, like when you're coming down a, a hill out West. Um, so, you know, in really nasty weather. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure what anybody's telling you, but I, I would take into account their level of experience and, and why I'm a little wondering why they're even concerned about this or, I mean, how long have you been driving? Uh, since 06. Okay. So you, you've got some experience. I mean, most of your experience is with more modern trucks. I mean, I go back to the day we didn't even have front brakes on some of the first trucks I drove. Can you believe that? No, no front brakes. The axle just didn't have any brakes at all. That, that was the, some of the first trucks I drove. The brakes we did have. I've, uh, in the, the tires we had were, were radial ply tires um, we did have Jake's and I, we have come so far on safety with these things. 
that to be concerned or to say, well, the Jake on an automatic isn't quite as safe as if I have a manual. It, it is, first off, if you know how to use them. Some of these people should just get out their owner's manual and actually read it. So they understand how the Jake yeah. works and how does the Jake work with cruise control on. And they're a little more complicated these days, but it's not rocket science. Get out the manual and read it. Okay. okay. I, I guess the base of that question was I, I was trained in 05 and 06 um, at a large company. And, you know, the biggest thing everyone swears by and I'm paranoid of is, you know, uh, when we're going down a hill, the, the weather is nasty. The roads are awful. You know, we, we're not using a Jake brake. We're not, um, even if there's, you know, heavy rain, we're not using a Jake brake. And I can do that. That's fine. You know, I've got over 2 million miles uh, accident-free. I'm not bragging, just saying. Um, but, hey, hey, Spencer. You know, I, but, but I, I know yep. I make people sometimes crazy with this. I've made Bruce crazy with it a little bit. We've all, we all know when the weather's really bad, don't turn on your Jake. But come on, with 2 million miles, haven't okay. you used your Jake on really bad roads sometimes? You're just extra careful with it. So, another, <laughs> you're right. Uh, and another thing I've always told my wife is, should, should that day ever come, when the weather was really nasty and you pick your, you know, the ones that I bitch about, pardon my language, all the time for climbs like everybody else, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, right. uh, Oregon, Washington, whatever. And, and they find me laying, uh, you know, on the side and I'm, I'm, God forbid, passed away. Would you not? Would you tell the the people that are doing the investigation just because the stupid cruise control uh, symbol is on in the truck and on doesn't mean that it was really on? You <laughs> know, you look, please, it, that, because you know that that's another one that I, I've gotten in arguments with Bruce. He's like, "Oh, you should never run that cruise control in bad weather." Wait a minute, that that's not true, and I'll push back against that. There is a, an advantage to being on cruise control, and you know what it is that I can leave my foot hovering very close to that brake pedal. And the difference it takes okay. me to activate a brake between how long it takes me to come off of a throttle and onto the brake can be a difference. It's an advantage. Now, you, you do need to be really alert. You shouldn't be, you know, texting and, right. and talking on the phone. But, it, but if the weather's that bad, there are times I do put the cruise control on. Okay. I just I just had it in Iowa a few days ago with their three to five inch snow, and I, the the earliest signs for me, without the this is without you know we're doing like thirty miles an hour, wondering why we took this uh, so called shortcut in the bad weather to avoid an accident on I eighty, right? Um, really bad choice. But anyway, um, it's that first little spin out that you have that the only thing you can tell is the RPMs drunk. Oh yeah, know, just a fuzz. You know, yeah. fifteen hundred. Maybe 15, you know, 15, uh, something like 150, whatever, 200, whatever it is. And you're like, oh man, yep. Uh, so, we, you know, you got to drop a gear or that's, at least get your foot off the pedal, get control of this thing. That's the, that's the, there's definitely a pucker factor when that happens, no doubt. Yeah, well, I wasn't that, yep, you're 100% correct <laughs> with that. So, um, so I guess, uh, this, this weekend and, um, it was another learning thing for me, and I wasn't even going to bring this up, but I, I had an injector uh, causing poor compression in cylinder number five. And when I say poor compression, once we got the laptop on it and took a look, it was about 
Um, and after doing all the tests, uh, you know, going through the problem solving tree, according to the laptop with a technician, uh, which a little side note, I'm really getting into that because then there can be no bullshit about what needs to be fixed. And I'm learning as well as I go. Very few shops will obviously let you do that. Um, but anyway, learned a lot this weekend. And um, what I also learned was, even though the repair, I know there's something called book hours. I get that. But even though the actual repair only took an hour and 40 minutes, um, they billed me for nine hours because that's what that, they can bill on an injector that, job. That's why I talked about this just last week. That's what they call flat rate. That a, a job is sure. priced yeah. based on a, a, a book somewhere where everybody's worked out how long it takes to fix a certain thing. You get paid sure. that flat rate. Sure. It almost always is more. It's longer than what it should take a good technician to fix it. So I, I said, even though I worked at a place sure. where, you know, as a, a, a body man, I made 20 bucks an hour but it was like $30 an hour in reality. It, it, it should almost right. always work out in the technician's favor. If you've got a technician that can't make flat rate, he should probably go find another job. Well, and I, I don't even know that I'm complaining. I mean, uh, if that sounds stupid, but, you know, I pull in at 1.45 on a Saturday afternoon, and by 4.15, I'm out the door, and yeah, um, I'm quite a bit poor. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, I'm usually um, pretty happy with that. You know, I'm, I'm willing to pay a premium for that kind of service these days. Yep. Yeah, so I did a little research online, and for some reason, for that same repair, uh, according to what you can find, and when I say research, I mean what somehow I was able to find what, uh, you know, like a Freightliner dealer is able to charge for the factory warranty labor hours. And I guess that's the part that really kind of tweaks me, and that, and that is the, the, the factory billing hours uh, was like 2.8 to 3.6. Right. And I'm obviously way more excited about paying that because their shop rate was $213 an hour. Yeah. So here's something to know about that industry. And I've talked about this for years. It's why warranties to me are almost meaningless. I, I put very little value on the fact that a new vehicle has a warranty because what I just talked about with flat rate, where it almost always works out in the technician's favor, some of that is, is needed to make up for the fact that as a technician, you have to do warranty work. It's the opposite. You almost can never make any money on warranty work. You get penalized for it because the, the, if, it's, if it's billed to a customer, the job will pay six hours. If the factory's paying for it, it pays two. <laughs> it's such a screwy system. Well, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. So I've uh, <laughs> I've had several buddies in the industry this week. Oh, you need to go down there and bring your bill. You're still in town. Go complain. Go tell them. It's like, you know what? Um, I actually, I think I'm going to let them slide on it because yeah, number one, go. I don't think I'm going to get very far. And number two, again, I came in at 145 on a Saturday and was out by 415. They close at five and still able to make my export load delivery on Monday morning. There you go. So, you know, uh, 
out. It's expensive out here. Uh, I went to college several years ago to the tune of 70, 80 grand and um, with got two degrees. And guess what? That was expensive too. So <laughs> these <laughs> yeah. are all, <laughs> yeah, all, all things that, you know, if you don't know, you got to pay, you got to pay somebody else to help you uh, figure it out, buddy. That's just the way it works. This, so, this, um, this is life. You know, I, 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 I saw, yeah. I saw one of these crazy, you know, self-made videos on social media and it's, you know, a younger person. I, there's some gender issues possibly going on when you watch this video, but he is absolutely serious about he thinks it's just a horrible idea that a human being has to work just to be able to survive. I mean, he's 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 really shocked by this idea that he has to work to be able to survive. He thinks that's just wrong, and and the only point I make is that's how the world has worked from day one. Whether we were hunter gatherers or where we are in the world today, if you aren't willing to do the work for you to survive, then you're asking other people to do it for you. That, that's the way the world works. Can't work exactly. any other way. Exactly right. So that, that's where we get, I, I don't know if I would say it correctly this way, but more of a specialization into, uh, I know I can't do that. So so a great example for me at my house is, uh, other than the basic, basic stuff, you know, you're watching on YouTube, you can fix your card in 15 or 20 minutes with a 50 or hundred dollar part, which I like to dabble in. Unfortunately, yeah, I still have to bring. Yeah. I, yeah, sure. Unfortunately, in my son's there's 21. We're all, we're both kind of learning together. Um, unfortunately I, you know, I have to run that to my, you know, my neighborhood mechanic has got a great shop and, and pay his prices. And the cool thing is the relationship is, is if I take a shot at it and just don't quite get it done right, uh, of course, the wife would say that happens quite often. But anyway, um, you know, hey, they're more than willing to pick up, pick up the pieces where I, you know, left off and fix it for it. So um, I don't have those brains. I chose a different route to go to, um, you know, get a liberal arts degree. Oh, my God. Yeah, I said it. Liberal arts. Um, <laughs> and so, hey, that that that. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think there was a time where having a liberal arts degree wasn't necessarily that bad of a thing if you if you used it right. And I, I really, I would love to see a whole bunch of classic liberals again. Where did they all go? Um, I'll let you know when I find them because I haven't. So I know <laughs> it's um. I went to uh, college late '80s, early '90s, and uh, we got more of a classical liberal arts, uh, you know, right. education. I'm also the same guy that came out of there with uh, two degrees, and people will say, "Oh my God, you've never used those degrees." I got a secret for you guys. That's why some of you might. I don't know. I'm going to throw some flame, uh, some fuel on the fire. That's why some of you might still be just company drivers and haven't figured out how to get to the um, having your own authority part. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's through one of those degrees that, you know, my e my econ degree that I'm kind of nerd out on the, the data analytics and stuff like Absolutely. that. And I just keep asking, I just keep asking the question why all the time uh, when I, when I was uh, leased on to a company and basically 
you know, it didn't work out. They're trying to schedule 20, 30 lease operators, and they're just giving you a load to get you out of their hair, and that load doesn't hey. pay worth an iron. And um, it all revolves around their, uh, here's a term I hate, their business footprint. Right. Um, because we all know they have to service their contracts, and I would too if I were that large. I get it. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean you're servicing my, my, my family and feeding them either. You know, so, you, know. You, want me to, you want me to feed the fire a little more here? Sure, go ahead. I'll make the claim, and, you know, my regular listeners know how I feel about this. New listeners might be a little shocked that the, 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 the way you got into trucking, you know, in my time was, for the most part, you either grew up in a trucking family or you grew up on a farm. That, that was common. It sure. was the majority of the industry. Yep. Most of us knew how to carry parts yep. and tools with us and fix our own trucks. We drove all those things with no front brakes. Those were really, really good truck drivers. A lot of those people were really good truck drivers. They were good at a lot of things. But that skill does not translate at all to being a successful business owner. Your econ degree is 100%. far more valuable than all of those decades of that experience. You are a hundred percent correct because I am way better at that part than the mundane of driving. Now I drive a lot of miles every week. My biggest hiccup is, and I still haven't solved this, and it's not a hiccup, I guess, is I can't. I've, I've tried, you know, to meet folks and think, you know, maybe this guy we could have leased on, you know, maybe, maybe this guy could be a company driver, you know, that type oh, of thing. Yeah. I've had up to four employees driving at one time and um hey look i know what the numbers are in the lease programs uh with the freight that i run and what i would do it at, and uh we can all you know still do really well okay but <laughs> right I, I just have i've got friends that drive out here and every time they tell me a story about this that and the other thing about how they're getting screwed by their carrier i'm thinking to myself it's there's it's a two-way street that's right it's something you did that that pissed yep. somebody off Always okay. is. And what's happening here is this is kind of their little form of punishment. And punishment usually means you're not going to get that big of a paycheck this week. That's what that means. It, yep. You so, know, Spencer, there's, um, there's a term we've been using for the last decade or so, and I don't think most people really understand it. I'm not even sure I understand it all that well. And I don't know how good we are at measuring this, but there's, you know, we, we've always known about IQ, it, it, how intelligent is somebody. And I've said many times, I've never taken an IQ test. I don't think I would be very impressed with my numbers. But there's something else we talk about called okay. emotional intelligence. And it, it, it's hard to explain. It's hard to test for. But it, it's this ability to manage those kinds of things in life. Right. 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 And I guess you hit a nerve with that term because I have a friend outside of the business that's dating somebody and bragging about her emotional intelligence, but that's another hour show. So yeah, I, I'm I'll not even, it, 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 it can be used as one of those kind of weird out there terms and concepts. There is something to it. I just don't know if we've really nailed it down yet. Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely a floating thing uh, definition, and, and I just um, uh, you know, 
um, again, yeah. if it weren't applied to this friend with it, with his relationship with a with a female, I, I probably wouldn't be so. This is ridiculous. This is touchy filly woke society coming right. up with new terms for the same old stuff. Right. You know? There's but that that that's me. Yeah, I I don't disagree. There are a couple areas we can kind of look at this. One is just how effective are you at getting things done, even if there's nobody else involved, no relationships. Just how good are your critical thinking and problem solving skills? You know, one of my skills, I I wish I could fabricate things better. For some reason, I just can't. My brain just doesn't work like that. But I can MacGyver the hell out of stuff. You know, I will get the job done. I'll get the thing fixed. It's probably not going to be pretty, but I'll get it done. That, that's one area of strength. And okay. then there's this other area of being able to relate to people and get things done with people. And we've always had a term for that. It's called charisma. And there are a couple of good books. It can be oh, taught. Okay. okay. And that, I think those two together are kind of what, what make up emotional intelligence, but they're, they're kind of hard to really quantify. Well, and I, yeah, I, oh boy, I'll tell you that when I had the four company gun drivers that were, you know, my employees, my company, um, we had, there was so much confusion. And I, again, I don't want to be, you know, Mr. Hey, I'm smart. Nobody is, but some of that comes down to, you know, um, some you're dealing with some, you know, some folks I- that. Absolutely. We're not good in school. Okay. And that doesn't mean they're stupid. Right. But sometimes because they've had some bad experiences in life, some of it their fault, some of it not, they've interpreted it to be, you know, the whole world is against me and I'm just going to get screwed my whole life. Right. And it's so hard to work with people like that, especially when I'm trying to tell them what I do. And, uh, And then there's all the propaganda you get from companies about how, you know, uh, they, you, oh, you have to have com- you have to have contract rate, blah 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 blah. Otherwise, you're not going to make a dollar out here. I'm like, uh, yeah, well, anyway. Hey, hey Spencer, kind of done with the, the fight on that for a bit. One of the strategies <laughs> I've used in business, and and it doesn't always apply. And and in trucking, it's a little hard to apply it the way I did. But there's still a lesson here, and I've talked about it before. I have always been very very willing to do things for free if I have to. You know, the the big complaint in our industry is, oh, my God, I can't believe you pull that cheap freight. And they don't understand the nuances in all of this. You know, one of the examples I had is when I wanted to become a speaker. It, it, how do you get started in an industry like that? Nobody will hire you if you don't have any experience. And how do you get experience? There are no training programs. You can't go out and get hired somewhere as a speaker and then move up from there. So I thought to myself, how the hell do I get started on something like this? The only way I could think of is to offer to do it for free. Find people who are willing that they'll at least let me stand up on stage and speak. I don't need them to pay me anything. And there are people that when I would talk about that, you could see the look in their eyes. It was like panic. And their 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 thought process is, well, people will just take advantage of you if you do that. Well, they can't take advantage of me if I don't let them. Yep. That, that's correct. That is absolutely correct. I um, <laughs> One of the questions, and, and I'll, I'll let you get to somebody else, but, but one of the questions I ask of uh, lease operators that are bragging about being, you know, 
having their own business. And I was pretty good at it when I have, I'm not looking down on people. Um, but one of the questions I always have and, and is, and, and I think you may have asked a few people this too over the years is, um, I, I don't care whether you pay 12%, 15%, 25%, 35% with your lease on agreement. I mean, that's between you and your carrier, but can you do yourself a favor and every month or every quarter, can you, can you add up how much you paid to your carrier and that percentage and then use that as an incentive to get your rear end out there and figure out how to do it more profitably or maybe get your own authority or whatever. Because yep. man, there, when I was doing it back in the day, uh, my daughter was in junior high several years ago. She's now serving this country as a staff sergeant. Very proud of her. Awesome. Um, but anywho, back in the day, she still talks about dad. You remember that time we sat down in junior high and you told me you uh, generated revenue. And then we, uh, took out the amount that that company you were working with uh took and i said yep and i said i always ask her i said do you, do you remember do you remember the total she said i know one year it was forty eight thousand plus dollars and i said you're a hundred percent correct because there's no chance in hell that the insurance out here is going to cost me more than forty eight thousand dollars no chance exactly what, what a great lesson yeah, and and that was just after asking all of the questions and having a I had a, a business failure 15, 18 years ago, and I uh, there were other things kind of got screwed by family and whatnot, and I was rebuilding my life, and I was like, you know, that that ain't happening again. Um, we're just run this thing by the by the numbers, not by my feelings, because um, in in business. You know what? Feelings kind of don't matter until you get somebody that's a bigger jerk than you, and you're, you know, well, then maybe right. we got a problem. <laughs> but, that's right. There's, uh, we got to make decisions on numbers, not feelings. But wasn't that a famous movie line? There's no crying in business, or maybe it was baseball. Same you thing. You could be right. Yeah. Just not familiar with that one. Yeah, same but, thing. All right. Um, I think it was Field I, of Dreams or something. Hey, got to move along. Calls are piling up again. Let's go to Kentucky this time. Jerry, welcome to the program. Good Lord, I need to be a co-host as many things as I've got on my list now, Kevin. I, it's one of Good those days, grief. I think. It is, and I don't care. I'll just work through it the best I can. So to the previous caller, I don't give a damn what the carrier charges. I realize that one of my weaknesses, I'm not a people person. I don't want to piss around with people. My carrier sends me an email what to do, and I just go do it, and I don't give a damn what it costs me. Well, I don't and, care. And, let me make a comment on that. I've seen contracts where I have to give up 20 some percent to the carriers, sometimes even 30 that I really like. And you could make a lot of money in that system if you know how Landstar comes to mind. And I have seen system. I've been involved with systems with, you know, a broker who was only going to take 5% to, to find my loads for me. And it wasn't worth it because he sucked and all the freight was garbage. Yep. Well, I've got a good deal with the carrier I'm leased to and we're both happy. And, and I guess that's what matters. So that's right. No matter what it costs me. So he, he's good to him, good to me and I'm good to him. And so we're both happy. So, uh, let's go with the other day. I, I get two or three little things before I get to my question. The other day that you were talking to Bruce, I was in Louisville just a little while ago. And that's what reminded me. You're talking to, to Bruce about a t-shirt about how many ways to say Louisville. <laughs> right. And anyway, it reminded me and 
years and years ago in a previous life, there was a huge machinery show in Louisville just about this time of year. And I was down there to that. I'd always make a pimper meets to that uh, machinery show every year. And we were down there one year watching the TV when we were eating breakfast. And there was a huge sewer explosion in downtown Louisville. It took out a big street. And we went out to that machinery show. And when we got to that machinery show, that, that was on the news that morning. It had happened the night before. And when we got to that machinery show, there were already T-shirt vendors selling, where were you in the sewer blue T-shirts? Were they really? <laughs> yes, that morning when we got the show and it had the date on there. I mean, I don't even remember the date now, Devin. It's been too many moons ago. But anyway, I just thought that was so funny. You talk about hey. uh, capitalism and how... Uh, opportunities present themselves. That's right. You know, there's also a very large um, RV show at uh, at the Louisville, same place we do the the truck show every year. And Lisa and I went to it one year. It's more of a, um, almost more of a supplier kind of RV show than, than it is a consumer show. In fact, I think we even had to have some sort of credentials to get in. I don't remember where we got them. Um, but we got to see more component kind of stuff and things like that. And here I am wandering around at, in Louisville at a, you know, a show that's not in our industry. And I ran into somebody from our industry and it was so bizarre. You know, when you see somebody, you know, but you see them in a weird place, kind of, it's confusing. Yeah. We, we ran it. This is when we were working with Bose on their seat. And we ran into some of the people that we had been working with at Bose for a couple of years because they were also interested in possibly, you know, introducing a seat to the RV world. But it was just a weird coincidence. Oh, it's small, small world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, one other thing you've been talking about UFOs today reminded me of the time I was in high school and high school kids would participate in a certain activity that had to do with parking a car. And I was home uh, late. I got home late one night from a date and the next, and this was an honest, goodness truth. There were some really goofy lights up in the sky darting around and we were watching those lights. Well, anyway, the next morning I got up and my mother asked me why I was late. And I told her we were watching the UFO races (laughs) and she just had that smirk on her face and, you know, Back in my day, we'd park down by the river and watch the submarine races. <laughs> <laughs> so times do change. So, hey, all right, uh, on to my just, question. Ask you. Just, oh, go ahead. Hold on. One comment on that. So, you know, there's all this all stuff right. where we're being gaslighted, we're being lied to, we can't trust anybody anymore. I keep seeing these pictures uh, over Hawaii of this like l- green laser curtain thing. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's like the the whole sky is lit up. It almost looks like a a vertical fence of these green laser huh. beams, and uh, they're claiming it's probably coming from a Chinese satellite. Now, any other time in my life, that would have been big news everywhere. I can't even find out if it's real or not. Huh? Well, that's interesting. So. I don't know. I really don't. So, well, on this is a ask you anything day. So I'm going to ask you anything. And if it's too private, then just hang up on me. I don't care. All right. Years ago, when I first, when I first heard you on satellite radio, you talked about your two passions, one of them being cooking and one of them being trucking. At that time on that show, I remember, distinctly remember you mentioned something about 
two sons that followed your separate passions. How is Michael doing, and who is the other son, and what was he? What's he doing now? Yeah. So actually, I raised three boys. Um, and, and okay. Prior marriage, um, and it was an interesting. So there were three boys. None of them shared a parent. One was adopted. One was my ex-wife's biological child. One was my biological child, Michael. They were all within 18 months of each other. It was like raising triplets that weren't relatives and boys being competitive and me being competitive. It was a a very interesting time. So um, uh, one of them's heavily involved in sports. The other one is actually a, a... a deep sea underwater welder. I mean, everybody ended up doing something kind of bizarre. Michael is um, working on his own as a nutritional therapy practitioner. He teaches um, courses on blood analysis. He's become really, really good on blood analysis. He's got a huge following, trains all kinds of people. Did you hear the um, the guest we had on Destination Health last week, Dr. Abbott? Yes. Um, Michael and Dr. Abbott are actually forming a company um, to teach functional uh, nutrition and functional blood work. Well, why hasn't Michael been a guest on your show? Uh, just because, just, you know, we kind of had him when... it'd be interesting to bring, bring him back. Yeah, it's, for, you know, Michael and I are, are... 15 or 20 minutes. Michael and I are so similar... And, and even our voices sound the same. We had talked about when he was part of the company, um, should we do a show together? And I, I said, you know, I don't know if it would work. It, it We would get so deep into the weeds, the way him and I talk about stuff, and and we think too much alike that, that we kind of decided, I don't know that it would work all that. Now, like a 20-minute interview or something to catch up on what he's yeah. doing, but yeah. I'd love that. Yeah, I'll try to put that on your list, projects. Will do. Anyway, go ahead. All right. What were you talking about other than that? Well, your other sons. I mean, if you don't want to get too personal, I don't care. I don't want you to get too personal. I was just curious curious what they were doing. Yeah, you know what? I, I It's one of those unfortunate things. It was a really, really um, tough divorce businesses to split up and you know, a lot of things had gone wrong, and, and I honestly haven't kept up with them. And they're done that, trust me. Oh, it's fine. That's all I need to know. I didn't want to ask anything too personal, but I'm no, just curious. No, I remember a, that I, comment I, and just been yeah, no, of it's, it's got, Kind of what I meant by the ask me anything. I, you know, if, if something's too personal, I'll just say it. it's not. But I'm pretty transparent. You know, I... Um, I, I don't believe there's any reason to hide that kind of stuff. We all have lives. We have all made mistakes. We Hopefully we all learn from them. Um, it, it, you know what? I, I know enough to know that they're both doing pretty well in life, and, and I'm glad for that. You know, I, I, I did try well, pretty hard. Well, that's enough it was, said, it was, I appreciate your information. Yeah, it was tough raising three boys like that. I, like it was a, 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 a odd situation, but I, I really— um, I, I got really involved with all three of them. And I, it, the beauty of running my own business and being able to work from home, I got to spend a lot of time with them, and I, I, I hope I guided them well. Can't trade that time for anything, Kevin, so thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. 
Let's uh, let's go to Indiana. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I tried to call on Thursday, and then I listened, and I is, is the call dropped, and then I wanted to see what had happened. So I, I think I listened Friday, and then I went back to Thursday. But uh, when I listened to Thursday, it said that uh, Kevin had to take a personal call, and I think Mike uh, from uh, Rolling Toe said, "Well, he'll be right back." And I didn't listen to the rest of it. But I just wanted to add my uh, comments to what was on on Thursday's uh, show um, about EMP. Uh, uh, Glenn Beck had uh, that author actually on on the air for two days in a row. A lot of it wasn't because it was two days of uh, programming. It was because of the ice storm in Texas had interfered with their Internet. Brandy, when you say that author, are you talking about the guy that wrote the book One Second After? Yes. Okay. Yes, that one. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember and his name, but I just got wanted new... to make sure that's what we were talking about. Yeah, I I wanted to look it up for you so I could have that for you, um, but I forgot. And so he's got a new book coming out called Five Years After. I think uh, maybe July. I can't remember, but he's got a new book. But Glenn asked him if there's one thing that you think that we should do if the AMP would be um, is where there would be no electricity to get water. So uh, by listening to your show, I've been drinking Evian, and I used to give those Evian bottles to my company that would recycle. So I decided, well, I'm going to put you to the drinking fountain water and put that and start storing water. Equally going along with that same story, you've been talking about AI, and what if those balloons, were they were afraid to shoot them down, that maybe that might be an EMP? which would fry the entire grid. So with the AI thing, and there would be an EMP, wouldn't that also take out AI and robot whole thing? And if that is true, then why are they not doing anything to protect themselves from something like that, as well as the government is trying to go all digital and stuff? It's like, why aren't they doing anything to protect themselves from this? And I think, is this possibly the reason why they didn't shoot that balloon down? Well, when you say they aren't doing anything to protect themselves, are you talking about politicians? Politicians, Elon Musk, any of those people that are now trying to bring robots instead of humans. First off, we have no idea what somebody like Elon Musk might be doing. He could have another, he could be operating a parallel universe for all we know. Um, The government, at least at the highest levels of the government, if you don't think they've taken care of themselves, they have an absolute plan. They have several locations around the country. Uh, There's one in West Virginia. There's one in Colorado. Deep, deep inside of, of mountains, they could live through anything for years. That 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 plan is well in place for that for our government. The the people they deem critical to run our government would be evacuated to one of these highly secure, um, self sustaining locations. They have a plan for themselves. The question is, why have we not done anything to strengthen the electrical grid in this country since we've known this is a problem for decades? And yeah. by the way, let, let me, I'm going to put uh-huh. out the names of the books and the author. The author is William R. Okay. Fortune. 
The first book was one second after. Then there was a book one year later. And then there was a book, The Final Day. And now you're saying he's bringing out a, another book. Right, yeah. And then the other one was about um, the guy, uh, the driver that said that he, he didn't need all this room. I used, When I started my career, I was a dollar truck driver. I was a co-driver actually for three years. We sat, we, we sat on our stuff. We slept on our stuff. It was, it was horrible. And as every year I, or as my career grew, I, I got more space and I love it. And, uh, it's just, uh, because I went through that, I can appreciate the bigger truck and the more room I can spread out. I can stand up. I can, you know, all these different things I, I never could do before because it was so tiny. And, uh, and because also that, uh, I had told you once before that I was a, a dollar truck driver. Um, we used to haul for general motors and we'd go over to Linden, uh, New Jersey. And when you didn't got there too early, they says, we'll go park on that, uh, over there by the railroad tracks. Well, one of the times I parked over there and the saddlebacks, uh, hit, hit the railroad and spilled diesel fuel. They called out the EPA, $10,000 worth of damage. I still kept my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, hey. that's all that I have to ask. Hey, a little bit of, uh, little bit of breaking news here and kind of fits in with what we're talking about. If you want one more reason to pay attention and think about getting prepared, here's the headline. Americans told to leave Russia immediately or face false arrests, U.S. warns. Um, no travel to, to Russia. They want to get Americans out of there. That's not a good sign. No. Anyway... Thank you, Kevin. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to New York. John, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you today? Good. What can I help you with? Uh, question I've got, um, I'm trying to figure out how you figure your expenses per mile. Now, this is before you become an owner operator. I'm trying, I'm trying to do the math. Got what, it. What's the, the correct way to, to do that? Got it. Okay. I can explain this to you. Um, it's fairly simple, but if you have the ability to hit record or, well, you can always come back and listen to it on the app. So you don't have to record anything anymore. Um, first off, we need to pick a time frame that we're going to look at. Do we want to look at our cost per mile for a week do we want to look at our cost per mile for a month or for a year? I will tell you honestly, don't look at, at time periods much less than a month. It's almost never valuable right. to, to look less than a month. And the longer we look, and if we look both short-term and long-term, and then we start making comparisons, that's when we really start to learn things. So that's just the big picture. So okay. let's say that we're going to go back and we're going to put together all of your data from 2022 and we're going to calculate your cost per mile for the whole year. Now, if you have enough information on the current truck you drive, we could go back and, and it might not be perfect, but we can make some estimates. And that's all this is anyway. I mean, once we're in business, then right. we track exactly what's happening. 
So the math is actually really simple. I could spend way more time on the concept. The math takes about 10 seconds to explain. Here's the way to remember it. Cost per mile is cost divided by miles. That's it. That, that's the entire calculation. And now, so remember, we said we need a time frame. So if we're looking at last year, we take, let's say we want to calculate our cost per mile for fuel, that specifically. So we take all of the money we spent on fuel, the dollar amount, $32,376, whatever that number is. We take all of the miles we drove last year and cost per mile is cost divided by miles. So you would take the entire fuel cost, divide it by the entire miles. Okay. What, what if you're trying to put together a business plan and have no past information? What is the purpose of the business plan? Um, well, to be honest with you, I want to find out if it makes sense to do this. And what my thought process was is once I could come up with a cost per mile, um, then I would know what I would need, like a break, come up with a break even number, I guess. Okay. Now, people might be shocked when I say this. If you want to go do that, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not a bad exercise. You'll probably learn. You got to go figure out where you're going to get all those numbers. They're out there. OIDA publishes some numbers every year. Um, Overdrive Magazine publishes numbers every year. ATBS publishes numbers every year. You can go find the data. You could put it together. You come up with a break even. Uh, all of those things are valuable. I, I could shortcut the process and say it's not necessary to do that. I, I, here's the I, thing. I, I, the, I, I, the, I'll take any information, any yeah, information so I can get. Here's a different way to look at it. Do you think it's it's even remotely possible that when you put this business plan together, you're going to look at it and go, oh, well, I'm not going to do this. There's no way to make any money. Do you think that's even remotely possible? I, I believe it could be. No, it's not. I'll tell you, it's not. How, how the hell is anybody making any money with a truck then? Well, well, we're all right. I, and I guess, again, I'm going with no numbers to start with, I think. So my numbers may not be, Here, the numbers I use may not be accurate. Here's an easier way to do it, I think. Um, if the question is, should I get in business as an owner-operator? The question is, it can I make a profit? Of course you can. My God, a sixth grader could make a profit. Is it enough of a profit to make it worth it for me to go do this? That's a better question. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 That's probably the way I should have worded it. Yeah. And most people don't. So it, it, it's just, a, it's now, so let's look at that for a second. Are you currently a company driver? Uh, I'm currently unemployed, but I was a company driver for two and a half years. Okay. So as a company driver, how much money did you make a year? Uh, 65, 68, depending on the, the year. Okay. In today's world as an owner operator, that's about the bottom. I mean, you can make about three major mistakes and a couple minor mistakes and still make $65,000 a year as an owner operator. 
the potential okay. on the okay. other end. Let, let's go to the other extreme. Um, we had our first single truck, single driver, owner operator ever break $300,000 in profit in one year. Yeah, yeah, I heard that on the show last year. So there's your, right. there's your range of what's possible. But today, to, to it, it's almost like we don't really have to take, most people don't have to take money into the decision here, which seems kind of odd. But we're at a place okay. where it's paying so well to be an owner-operator, and that, that is going to change. So we have to be aware of that. But the only people who even right. really need to go through this exercise are the people who are making, say, more than 85000 as a company driver. And they are out there now. There's more of them than ever, too. But if, right. if, you're, if you're either coming from an industry where you were making fifty or 60000 or that's what you were making as a company driver, then you don't even have to think much about the money. There's far more profit okay. potential than that. You have to look at, do you want to be in business or not? Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and I do, and I've wanted to for a couple of years, but I wanted to get that time under my belt under with a company first. Yeah, that's fine. And I, I get, get, tell me if my philosophy is right. I mean, trucking was really good at one point last year, the year before, maybe, um, I've always been in the philosophy, like, I think a lot of people right now would say, you're going to get in business right now, you're, you're dumber than dog shit. But my thought process is, if I get in business right now when things are down and I can survive, I've, and, and learn, obviously, uh, I've got a, a good outlook down the road. If I had gotten in business a year, a year and a half ago when things were great, I'd probably be shitting my pants right now. So that's I, the right way to think. I, I, I've probably said that a thousand times in my 15 years on the air. I, I have the okay. opposite opinion. Anybody who starts the business at the very top is, is an idiot. That, that's what I mean. I wanted to start it at the bottom when it was at the of bottom, course. because if I can survive I, it, I can do been, anything. Been saying it for and maybe years. I swear it, I heard it. From you. It forces okay. you to be better. Okay. Good. Good. Um, yeah. Let me. I, I think that's what I'll do. I mean, maybe you're just saying I'm, I'm worrying too much. And, and yes. Quite honestly, maybe I am. I've been you're, chewing on this for five months. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're yeah. over analyzing. Okay. Yeah. Now you sound like my wife. I probably could have saved this phone call. Um, <laughs> but that's exactly what she's. That's exactly what she's telling me. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was in business for 18 years. Um, I had a medical issue and I lost my business. And, I, and quite honestly, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of fear of getting into a business again I know. and then failing. I, 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 and it, so, that's why business isn't for everybody. I know we say it's the American dream and all that, but it, it really shouldn't be. A lot of people do not but, have the temperament and the, risk tolerance. And, you know, I have adopted kind of two sayings around this, and it really is my mindset when it comes to business. Um, one of them is ready, fire, aim. 
Does that sound weird? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So instead of over-analyzing and, and getting stuck in, in inertia, not being able to move and make decisions, I, I don't just randomly decide I'm going to do something. I go out and do enough research that I realize it's a feasible option and I want to give it a shot. And when I get to that point, pull the trigger and then I can start aiming and adjusting. Okay. And, okay. and the other okay. one, and this sense. one, this one is even a little more extreme, but I've been known to do this on projects and, and things as well. I kind of operate under the premise that if it's a big project and I can't really get all the answers and I have to speculate, there's risk. I'm probably going to jump off the cliff and build my parachute on the way down. <laughs> if I fail in this thing, I'm probably going to jump off the cliff and forget well, right. the parachute. <laughs> right. So uh, that's just kind of two two approaches I take to business and life, really. So, so quite, quite honestly, I mean the 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 answer about the expenses that you gave me really. No offense, didn't help me a whole lot. But second part of the question, the second part about it is get into it and do it and don't worry about it and learn from there. That made a lot more sense. So I, well, what I'm trying to I, say, I really is, appreciate it. it, it let me go back and even clarify that a little more. I could give you all those numbers to plug in. Well, well what's the point? Right. If I give you the numbers, you're probably not going to learn anything from the exercise. And I, what I'm saying is, it's my experience that the numbers aren't important. Anybody could make money doing this. It's really that easy. But so I. Well, I and that's remember, what I meant. The numbers aren't that important. Yeah. But if you remember, yeah. I also said if you want to go out and find the numbers, I even gave you three sources to go look. Sure, go do it. But there's no point in me giving you okay. the number. You're not going to learn anything, and it's not that important. Right. I, 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 again, I, most of my business experience has been dealt on break evens. Um, you know, we, we have a special event at the racetrack and, and I got to know what's my break even, how many people do I need in the stands, how many yeah. cars do I need in the pit, so, blah, blah, blah. So here's why this is different. If I look at any other business I've started or businesses that most people start, you have to look, you have to take in the, the act of sales and marketing and you have to make sure... Yep that you have a big enough market for your product. For example, if I, I, I sell healthy food online, um, really simple business to get started. I mean, drop dead simple to get started, but how do I go find customers? How, how do I know that I can even sell enough to, to bring in enough revenue to even make this a business. How do I know I can get to my break-evens? Right. I do have to do that work in most businesses. If I decide I'm gonna open a yep. restaurant locally, I have to make sure my pricing works right, that I have enough people interested in food at that price. There's a lot to that kind of stuff. The beauty of this business, none of that matters. There is a plenty of work out there to keep a truck busy, and there's plenty of work out there profitable enough to make plenty of money, and it's easy to find. They're on load boards. There's brokers all over. The work is just waiting there for you to go do it. 
So do you see the difference why it's it's right. just not important now? Right, right. Again, I think I need to get over my fear, which you really, really, really helped me on that part of it. And then stop concentrating on the numbers because the numbers are probably what was screwing me up. And it's the unknown numbers, I think, is what was screwing me up. Yeah, so, yeah, the, what you're the, saying makes the ton the of sense. Only, the only number... I do tell people you have to pay attention to in today's world is if your business model includes you getting your own authority, you do need to go find out about insurance first because it's all over the right. board. I, I can tell you what fuel should cost you, what maintenance should cost you, what the, the cost of your equipment should be. Insurance is so all over the board that that's one you've got to go check yourself. Okay, good, good. I really, I really, really appreciate it because, like I said, it, it takes a lot off my mind, basically. It, it, quite honestly, I probably should have just figured it out myself, but uh, now that I got you saying it, it makes sense. Just get, Good. can't hardly lose unless you're, hey. you know, so I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the Thank call. Thank you very much. All Bye -bye. right. We, uh, we are all out of calls. I just looked up. There's no more calls on the board. I will take uh, just a couple of minutes here. Uh, if you want a chance, I'll give you a minute or two to jump in. Um, boop, 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 boop. Let me see. I probably had some notes here I could talk about. Oh, I, I opened today talking about books. What was one of the books I was talking about today? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. The, um, the John Grisham, the novels. If you're, if you're a Grisham fan, make sure you, uh, Go back and read A Time to Kill. Really good book. In fact, when I get off the air today, um, I think I'm just going to... Yesterday was absolutely beautiful, like a beautiful spring day. I had a blast in the garden, loved it. Uh, today it's raining, and I may just take the rest of the afternoon off and finish that book, maybe even start another one. But there is another book I wanted to talk about. I've talked about it before. Um, I started a new feature I'm going to try to be consistent on. I've tried this in the past, but I came up with a new way of doing it. I have read literally thousands of books um, on business, on goal setting, on money, on health, on personal development, personal achievement, you name it. And I love to pass along those books and make book recommendations and I, you know, rather than, I, I do put out a list. Here are books I recommend, just a list. And then I wanted to do more in-depth book reviews. What I didn't realize was how much work it is. It's a lot of work. It really is. And I just have too many projects going on. So I had to figure out a better way of doing this. So I came up with this idea that rather than doing a full-blown book review and giving my opinion about all the major topics and reviewing each chapter and I why instead I it's something right in the middle better than just a list but not so in-depth that I just can't find enough time to do it so I came up with this idea that I'm going to call a five minute book review all I'm going to do is explain what the concept of the book is here's the 30,000 foot view of what this book is about, very little detail, almost no detail. I, I want you, I'll keep it to a length 
that you can read in under five minutes. And then that way you can look at the book and say, yeah, that is an interesting concept. I want to read about that. You don't need my opinions. Then maybe what we'll do is we'll do more shows like where, where we get together and talk about books and then you can get my opinion. So I posted my first one yesterday. I called it uh, the Sunday five-minute book review. I don't know if I'll keep these on Sundays or not. I might um, because if I do it on a weekday and things get out of control, then it's hard. So um, it may continue to be kind of a, a Sunday night thing for me. The first book I put up, um, I put it up on HealthyTribe.com and TruckingTribe.com both. And I did a book review of Who Moved My Cheese? Given what's going on in our world right now and how fast things are changing, probably one of the best books I can think of to recommend right now. It only takes about three hours to listen to on Audible. It's really short, really easy read. Um, but if you want to know more about what it's about, go check out my post, healthytribe.com, truckingtribe.com, and also... Um, when I post on either one of our sites, it automatically posts for me on Twitter. So you'll find it on Twitter as well. And I do want to continue to encourage people to come to Twitter. Um, there's a really important reason for me, not so much that I want people to spend more time on social media. I really don't. But we need a way to fight back. If you are not happy what's going on in our country and our world, and many of us aren't, we need a way to fight back. And Twitter is the only place I know right now that we have a chance. It's not perfect, not by any stretch. We're still finding problems. Um, the algorithms are going to take quite a while to get straightened out. Who knows what weird thing Elon Musk might do. So far, he's been, I, I believe, really... Um, really good about this. That could change. But as of right now, Twitter seems to be our only hope other than sites like Rumble and Truth Social. Those are still fine too. They just don't have the kind of reach Twitter has right now. So I have been spending more time on there. One, I'm also gathering a lot of really good information on Twitter and um, making great contacts, um, new potential partnerships, new guests for the shows, but I'd also really like to start building a, a bigger following on Twitter. Um, we, we will always now charge for our sites. They are always going to be paid sites. We have new subscription models coming out. We will offer some free content through our site, but Twitter will be um, where we put out more free content and Twitter's where we're going to grow our tribe. I mean, that, that's really our best shot at growing our tribe. So we'd love to see more of you over there. We'd love to see more interaction. If you want to find me on Twitter, look for at let's underscore truck. That's, the, uh, that's our Twitter handle. So check that out. Um, one of the other things about Twitter that I'm really finding out is that people with really good, solid Twitter followings. Um, a lot of our traditional media now finds people there, like 
Fox News, all the other news channels, um, they actually go look for people now to, um, you know, to, to, to comment or do segments. I, I want to build that kind of following in trucking. I've ignored Twitter for a long time, and uh, now I think it's time. So come on over and help me out. Uh, one other thing, I don't like to do this a lot, but I'm going to. Um, we have a lot of projects we're working on right now. Um, really, really good stuff we want to roll out. And because of that, we don't have time and budgets to do a lot of marketing right now. And our sales are down. Um, you know, our regulars, our, our really dependable tribe members have really stepped up and we appreciate it. But overall, our numbers are a little down. Our sales are a little down. It's concerning. Um, I don't want to have to stop projects or divert money away from projects to, to go market. But we've got bills to pay. Uh, so we do depend on you to support us. And, and our store and our, our subscription sites, Profit Gages, HealthyTribe.com and TruckingTribe.com and our store, Let'sTruck.com. Um, those are important sources of revenue for us and, and we appreciate your support. So I don't want to have to, you know, hit you with that a lot, but uh, once in a while, I, I got to remind you, we, we could use a little, we'd use a little cash flow these days. Help us out. We will, uh, we will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. I believe we have a guest on Wednesday, a returning guest, Nora Gedgaudis on Destination Health. Uh, I don't think we have any other guests this week. Uh, should be a fairly normal week for the show. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. <laughs>